Hi, my name is Evan. I use he, him pronouns. My name is Ian, and I use they, them pronouns. My name is Ellen, and I use she, her pronouns. And this is If the Shoe Fits. It's a podcast about Cinderella stories and Cinderella stories and Cinderella stories. Do we mention Cinderella stories? (laughs) Ellen, welcome back to the pod. Oh, thank you for having me back. I'm very excited to be here. And we're glad to have you. This week on If the Shoe Fits, we are discussing another Cinderella story, which is the name of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's from 2008. It's the sequel to the Hilary Duff movie, A Cinderella Story. And it stars Selena Gomez as our Cinderella, Mary Santiago, and Jane Lynch as her stepmother. There's not a ton else to say about this movie, so I'll just flip it over to you, Ellen, for our quick synopsis. I'll consider those my fast facts. Excellent. You get two facts. You get the year, and you get <laughs> the cast members. Excellent. So, um... Oh, wait, wait, we gotta, we gotta get you timed. Oh, no! Oh, I forgot this part! <laughs> With stress, stress, stress. Ready and go. Jane Lynch is um, Mary's legal guardian um, and is herself like an aging pop star and makes Mary do all of the work for herself and her two uh, spoiled daughters. Um, Mary is a good dancer and wants to go to dance school and um, is very unpopular in school and has one friend named Tammy. Um, and everybody bullies her except for Tammy. And um, there's the this pop star who's trying to like refine himself is like coming back to the high school to like do his senior year. And so he like comes in and um, like they like do kind of like a run into hello. And then uh, they meet again at dance class because he's there's some sort of competition and he's teaching everybody, but she is behind a mirror and cannot see him. And they dance together, but not together. And there's so a ball. A, so that's a minute. And a no! <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to try to get through to the end? Sure. Am I still being timed? No, you're untimed now. Okay. Uh, black and white ball. Jane Lynch is like, no, you can't go to the ball. You have to clean my room, which is a mess for some reason. I guess she never cleans in there. I don't know. Tammy, to the rescue, calls in, like, a cleaning crew that are all, like, East Asian men for no explainable reason, except that they're, like, her cousin's boyfriend's cousin's cousins? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but they go in and they clean the room so that Mary can go to the ball. She goes to the ball. It's a mask ball. She dances with the prince dude and she loses her ipod that is a zune because i guess they were sponsoring this movie and shenanigans ensue he tries to find the girl whose ipod it is the stepsister's trying to do some shenanigans they find each other they date for a minute but then some shenanigans occur and so she thinks that he's cheating on her and also the stepmother uh, tries to make it so that she doesn't get accepted into the dance school. But then there's a big competition. Everybody figures everything out. They dance together. The person from the dance school is there and sees her dance. And it's great. The end. It's kind of a surprisingly complex movie. <laughs> it is. Like, it definitely is trying to, to take its structure, not just from Cinderella stories, but the last movie. Well, but I think the interesting thing about the structure is that I'll often like pause and check when the ball starts, like how far into the movie it is. Mm -hmm. In this movie, it's an hour and a half long. 
The mm-hmm. ball starts half an hour into the movie. And then the entire like classic Cinderella arc is resolved by the 50 minute mark. And then there's another 40 minute of romance, like Rom-com? romance story complications after that. Yeah. Um, there's like an attempt at characterization, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. It's an odd movie because the Hillary Duff movie, it's the Cinderella arc all the way through. Like they don't find their way back together until the end, the end when yeah. she gets her phone back mm-hmm. finally. Whereas also, this one, like she has her Zoom back and they are dating before the last third of the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would think that was due to the fact that people found the the Prince character from the first one kind of a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> and so they tried to make this one more likable, which, you know, casting him as, you know, 10 plus years older than his, uh, you know, his romantic lead is uh, a choice. Oh, yeah. Well, but it's not just I mean, yes, this is an issue. The actor playing Joey Parker, who is our Prince pop star character, mm-hmm. is over a decade older than the Selena Gomez, who's playing our Cinderella. But also, all of the other like major characters who are supposed to be Selena Gomez's age are mm-hmm. also way older than her. So, um, Which, yeah, stepsisters are in their late twenties or thirties. The best friend is in her twenties. The best friend is in her twenties. Yeah, it really kind of brings out, like, the inherent child abuse in the Cinderella, like, lore. Because you're watching this absolute baby. Because Selena Gomez was, like, what, 15 at filming? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you're watching a child be, like, gaslit and overworked and abused and bullied. And you're just sitting there like, what? <laughs> like, I get that this is Cinderella, but, like, this is intense. Well, and I think I like that. I think I like mm-hmm. when we... Uh, really understand how young Cinderella is. I don't know if that was the intention of casting everyone around her as older, but casting Probably a real not. teen to play. Well, and in fact, she's actually playing older right. than she yeah. is because her character is a senior in high school. So she should be like 17 or 18. And I, I think that part of it does work. And I think she turns in a, a really good performance. Mm-hmm. I think the casting decisions behind it is normal casting decisions. They don't like to have teenagers actually play teenagers unless the teenagers are already big celebrities. I mean, Selena Gomez at the time, Wizards Away really place had just started. So she was really rising up in fame. Uh, Drew Seeley had a bit of fame, a bit more recognition from being part of the High School Musical series, although uncredited. Drew Seeley is interesting because like you sort of wonder if Disney felt like they owed him one or something. He <laughs> was the singing voice of Zac Efron in the first High School Musical movie. And then he went on tour with the High School Musical live show. And they actually use a clip from the High School Musical live show uh, when they're showing Joey Parker's like pop music career. That's a that's from that. But he hadn't done a ton of like on-screen acting for Disney before this. Yeah, he was more of like the music person in the Disney like canon because he did the voice of Zac- for Zac Efron, and then he did a song for the Cheetah Girls too. Mm. So like he was known in the Disney Channel, like he's kind of like the hidden Disney Channel star that was given this chance when it came to another Cinderella story. It's interesting how people really do stay in Disney's orbit. The mm-hmm. problem, of course, is that he looks like he's in his late twenties. He really does, which. Like, I I haven't seen this movie in, like, 12 years. But when I first watched it, I was... It must have been, like, a year or two after it came out. So I was, like, early high school. And I thought these two had so much chemistry. Like, I especially during the mirror scene, I was like, this is sizzling. Um, And watching it as an adult, (laughs) 
they sure are existing in the same space together. You know, they sure are looking at each other fairly platonically. There's <laughs> nothing there. And thank God, because it would be worse. Yeah. It would be really uncomfortable to like come back and watch it and be like, yeah, that 25, 26 year old was like really feeling something for that like legal minor. Yeah, the, the, the romance is very kind of subdued, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. wonder if we'll ever see a Cinderella where Cinderella like just finds a good friend in the prince who like helps her out, but doesn't, you know, doesn't expect anything from her. Mm, I think that's kind of not what the Cinderella story is about. I suppose. Like as a whole, there is kind of this element of romance or at least like marriage, mm, mm-hmm. you know, th- this kind of like finding security in another person in a legally binding way or love. <laughs> right. Or both. Mm-hmm. That Like I-, I think kind of like friendship is wonderful, but like only if this friend is rich and lets you move into their house and promises to make sure that you always have a home and that you never have to go back and live with your abusive relations. You know? Mm-hmm. You need a rich friend. And don't we all? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> if you find one, can we share? <laughs> <laughs> you brought up the mirror scene. Yeah. <laughs> so the premise of this scene is that there's a dance class. First of all, everybody in this community seems to be into dance. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's, it's everybody's hobby. And there's a dance class, which Joey Parker stops into, which it seems like Selena Gomez has been like secretly auditing effectively. Like she, there's a viewing room at the dance studio, which means the mirrors that the dancers face is uh, two-way glass or one-way glass. Mm-hmm. I forget which the term is. Two-way. Two-way glass. So, so like parents, I guess, could watch their kids dance, but it's empty because none of the parents, you know, it's a commentary about Hollywood and how in LA, no one cares. I, I don't know, but it's an empty room. And Selena Gomez is able to like watch the dance class, albeit like backwards and facing the wrong people. And take it basically for free. Exactly. There's never any dialogue explaining that she wants to, or that the stepmother won't let her or any of that it, it just kind of happens she just like skateboards over there and, and climbs through a window so joey parker shows up to lead the dance class impromptu and she is dancing along on her side of the mirror but they have like a split screen moment where they're both like dancing very close to the mirror which is like bad for the rest of the class for one thing like he's like they can't see his reflection very well because he's so close to the mirror and it also plays out like he is like into the into his own reflection because he keeps like dancing back to the mirror and looking at himself and like we know well, that yeah. Gomez is on the other side but he, but he does doesn't it. he's just like somehow this mirror pulls me in i thought that it was them trying to do the commentary on how like he's trying to find himself again mm-hmm. but then the fact that she's on the other side and than him kind of needing her to push his like self-actualization or whatever. I think it got a little muddled. Yeah, I could I would like a version of this where that was a little more textual. <laughs> yeah, that'd <laughs> I be think nice. It's an interesting idea. Joey doesn't really get an arc in this movie. I mean, I think that is what his arc would be. Mm-hmm. He's moving away from the glitz and glam of the pop star lifestyle. And we get that a little bit when he has a lunch negotiation with the stepmother, Dominique, who wants to revive her pop star career by doing a duet with him, which he doesn't want to do. It's the only scene where we ever see his parents. And he's like, no, I'm taking a break. and I'm not interested. And 
I want to manage my own destiny. We kind of talked about like how in the first movie, the, the prince character was kind of a jerk, but he at least had like a plot and like a, the, yeah. the semblance of a plot and dreams and aspirations. And maybe because he was too much of a jerk, they were like, nope, this prince can't have dreams and aspirations. He must be perfect. He must be kind. Mm-hmm. Well, and even that like one moment of conflict, which is the only conflict we see, like none of those things ever continue into the rest of the movie. Dominique wanting to do a duet with him doesn't ever come up again uh, as a threat. It's just sort of a joke thing that keeps returning. And we never see his parents again because his best friend declares himself manager, which is how it works. We all know once you declare yourself manager, you're somebody's manager. Um, So many questions about like legally one, how old are these two meant to be? Are they supposed to be like 17? In which case his parents could technically like force him mm -hmm, to do the duet. Or is he 18 and just like trying to have a nice family life. It doesn't seem like he's that dedicated to having a nice family life. Yeah, yeah, God's bless. I mean, the thing is, Cinderella is not about the prince. He's there as a plot point mm-hmm. and like a cool reward that you get at the end. Yeah. You know, he's not a person, he's this man shaped thing. I don't think that any adaptation of Cinderella should pass the reverse Bechdel test. Mm. I've just decided right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point, actually. I think the better Cinderella adaptations do make the prince a character and give him an arc and things to do also. Mm -hmm. So in that way, I think that is marks against this one. Though I'm not sure that I missed it necessarily. Right, because it's not necessary. It's like a nice afterthought, but like... It's bonus points. Yeah. This one kind of did like the worst of both worlds where they're like, he has a personality, but we're not going to talk about it. (laughs) You know? Right. It's not relevant to Mary's journey. It's not. It's really not. Um, She just needs him to be pretty and rich and supportive. Well, even then, like the whole last third act when the big conflict between Mary and Joey happens he's just like I know how to fix this the dance competition oh yeah it's bizarre so what happens is that the stepsisters gang up with a popular girl at school Natalia to convince Mary that Joey is cheating on her with Natalia the popular girl who is his ex and The way that Joey and his best friend, who calls himself the Funk, he has a real name too. He has a real name, but we're going to call him the Funk. He's the Funk. That's what he wants to be called. Right. The way that they think to resolve this is that they drag her up on stage at the dance competition against her will, challenge her to a dance-off, to to which they've also invited the... um, The dance school person. The dance school, because admissions are decided by one individual also at this dance school in Manhattan, who they've flown out, I guess. And then he like fairly unconvincingly tells her that he was set up and that he's not cheating on her. And like, I saw the scene. I know that he was set up, but I didn't believe him when he said it. (laughs) (laughs) Also, like, I really don't like the fact that she was essentially peer pressured into forgiving him. Mm hmm. I really don't like that. It was it was very uncomfortable. Yeah. The dance competition at the end is also bizarre because we see a number of acts of like very talented dancers that were clearly brought in just for this scene. And then 
like Selena Gomez and Drew Seeley dance off with some fairly mediocre moves, some of which um, were... Um, um, I need to correct you on that. It is Drew Seeley and Selena Gomez's double. Well, exactly. <laughs> and it's not that good. They're fairly entry-level dance moves. And then Selena Gomez wins the competition. Just because, I mean, the thing is, the competition was sponsored by his label <laughs> for someone to dance in his next music video. So I can see how they were like, well, obviously, our golden boy, our cash cow, mm. wants this girl. So if we let her win, then he's going to like us. Mm. And we're going to be able to keep, you know, milking him for every cent he's worth. So you're uh, saying that her winning is realistic because it represents the cynicism of the record industry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I thought the movie was going to do the Camp Rock thing at the end, where in Camp Rock, Demi Lovato's character gets banned from the big competition and is told that she can't perform until after the competition. And then when the competition is officially over, she gets to perform on the stage. <laughs> like, I thought I, they were going to do that, where, like, Mary hasn't signed up. Okay, competition is over. Now let's let Mary dance for the admissions person. Like, that's the whole point of this. It's not for her to win the competition, but... Well, and also, like, when we were watching it, I made a joke about Tracy Turnblad winning the dance competition in Hairspray. But Tracy Turnblad spends the entire show like wanting to dance on TV and wanting to win the dance competition. Whereas like, I'm not sure Mary had ever heard of this dance competition. So like, I didn't need her to win. She heard about it. From like a plot yeah. perspective. She heard about it at the beginning of the movie. At the very beginning, yeah. But, it, but she didn't like, show any interest in it. Exactly. So it's like her winning didn't feel essential to me. I wasn't like hoping that she would win so that she could self-actualize as a person. That to me felt like well, now you have been deemed worthy of Cinderella-hood and mm-hmm. therefore every good thing must happen. <laughs> and yeah. so you get the boy, you know, you get into the school that you want so that you can like maybe have a career at least until you're 30 and your body starts to break down from the years of abuse that you put on it. And also you win this random dance competition and get to be in a music video. Yeah, dancers don't have long careers, like not performing wise. In some ways, Selena Gomez did succeed because she got to be in a music video with Drew Seeley. I mean, sure. Yeah. So she's Cinderella, I suppose. <laughs> I think it's the opposite. You think he's Cinderella? Yeah. I have never seen this man since watching this movie. Yep. Neither before nor since. Right. I had no knowledge of his existence. I also wasn't a big like high school musical person mm-hmm. because I was a pretentious little dirtbag. So, like... <laughs> I know who Selena Gomez is, vaguely. I've seen a few of her things. Okay, I've, I, I saw only murders in the building. And, like, a couple episodes of Wizards of Waverly's place at, like, a friend's house. Like, I know who she is. I could probably pick her out of a lineup. Mm-hmm. Probably. I cannot remember what he looks like. No. I watched I it yesterday. I think he had curly hair, like, kind of brownish blonde. No memory. Well, I think it also just doesn't help that he doesn't get a substantial arc. Mm-hmm. We remember Chad Michael Murray. We remember Ever After. We remember Ella Enchanted. You know, we remember all those princes because their characters get a full-fledged arc. Mm-hmm. Also, the last one was literally young Hugh Dancy, which, like, beautiful. Totally. I, I think, but because Juicy doesn't get a full arc and he's just the nice guy. Yeah, we have no memory of him. I think it's a disadvantage to... What could have possibly been? Well, 
You know who does have a lot of personality in this movie? Jane Lynch. I love Jane Lynch in this. This is pretty <laughs> Glee Jane Lynch, but it might as well be Glee Jane Lynch. It's the same character she plays on Glee, basically. Just with, like, slightly worse writing. Yeah, but similar, like, tone of the jokes. Oh, yeah, similar energy. She is having so much fun, and she honestly adds a lot to this movie. I think she steals this movie, honestly. Mm-hmm. I know this is supposed to be Selena Gomez's, like, movie, but it's totally Jane Lynch's. She's hilarious. Oh, she's great. And I don't know if any of it was improvised, but there are parts that I feel like, I don't want to disrespect the writers, but it. I think that she heightened jokes with her acting and with her delivery that mm-hmm. could have fallen flat if they were delivered by another actor. Oh, yeah. I found myself laughing at some really dumb jokes. Mm-hmm. Because she was the one doing the bit. Because she just did it in such a ridiculous way. I mean, the thing is, is that Disney Channel original movie writing, it's hard to do well. Mm-hmm. It's a really hard to do well because it's its not written to be done well. Well, and this isn't a Disney Channel original movie. It didn't premiere on TV. Oh, God. Did this get like a theatrical release? It got a DVD release and then aired on ABC Family. Okay. But like, it, it's a similar tone. But yeah, I, I feel like she like is really good at this type of just like kind of like heightened goofy reality type mm-hmm. of acting. Yeah. And and you put it out in your synopsis that some of the things that happen around her just don't make sense. <laughs> no. Really like ham-fisted exposition line. It's like this third line in the movie. She's like talking to an assistant for no reason. And she's like, oh, well, yeah, her brother used to be a dancer for me and she died and I needed to help around the house. So I took her in and I'm a saint. <laughs> and it's like, who are you talking to? Why did someone ask you this question? Like, it just comes out of nowhere and explains the situation very quickly. But because it's yeah. Lynch, she just makes it so funny. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, that's true. But then when we get to the night of the ball, she's like, for the first time, I'm going to have you clean my room. And it's like, why do you have her helping around the house and not cleaning your room? Right. And why do you, if you care about cleanliness enough to adopt a girl, another mouth to feed, then why do you not care about it in your like private space? Tax mm-hmm. purposes. Well, honestly, the one thing that I thought was going to come from it, I was like, maybe the reason is that she like has documents in there or whatever, or things that she doesn't want Selena Gomez to see that'll change the... Dynamic? The, the dynamic somehow, like in um, the Hillary Duff movie, how right. like, there's like a will or something, right? Yeah. That mm-hmm. she finds that changes everything. And I was like, maybe she's doesn't want Selena Gomez to find her secrets, but then that doesn't even happen because Selena Gomez turns over the job to some ethnic stereotypes. Gosh, they really did. They could have done anything there. They could mm-hmm. have had literally three random dudes. Yeah. And they were like, no, we need to be a little bit racist. <laughs> right. It's 2008 and stereotypes are funny. Was it though? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm trying to remember 2008, like in the Midwest, even where I was like, yeah. was yeah. that funny? Maybe. I mean, I definitely think that that was around the time when, you know, the goof off guys in class were still quoting Borat to each other. So probably. Right. Totally. I mean, this was like, the era of like super bad Juno, like all those Napoleon Dynamite, those types mm-hmm. of movies were also this movie came out in the midst of the 2008 election. Yeah. Oh gosh. So like this is like pre Obama era, and this isn't the only 
ethnic stereotype we get in the movie. We also have Joey Parker's best friend is a black guy who raps and uh, does like funk hip hop dancing. At one point, Dominique, that's the Jane Lynch character, gets a massage from a trio of Hispanic men. It's not the only well of humor, but they do return to that well of humor a few times. Of course, we also have just the two best friends, Joey's best friend and Mary's best friend being the only two Black characters in the entire film. Seemingly the entire people of color at the school. So the dance is a masquerade ball. And then later he's like, not sure if it's her, but like, how could you not be sure? I love that just for the entire dancing, people are like, who could that be? And it's like, I don't know. (laughs) But she has a very similar build and face structure to one of your classmates. Like, let's think about this. I think it'd be hilarious if not just the stepsisters, but everybody else knew and was just not saying anything. Mm -hmm. But Joey Parker, because he's like famous or whatever, like just could not put it together. And everybody else is like, bro. Well, and Joey's like new to the school. So it, it makes sense that he doesn't know Mary all that well or recognize her maybe, but like right. not a big mask. It just covers like some of the skin around her eye, really. Mm-hmm. I should say eyes. She has two. I mean, we could say the same for Hillary Duff. She only had a small white mask around her eyes. Oh my God, I forgot it was also a masquerade. That was a, ha- no, okay. So in a Cinderella story, that was a Halloween dance. Oh, okay, okay. This is a Valentine's black and white masquerade ball. Uh-huh. Which she then wears red to. Right. Well, and the thing <laughs> is that, so Tammy, her best friend, uh, designs and sews her dress. Tammy yeah. also makes her own dress in black and white. I mean, she's the fairy godmother of this movie. So maybe she was trying to make stuff happen, but. I absolutely loved the pumpkin. It's the name of Tammy's big old like van thing. Orange van. Big old orange van. It breaks down at some point. It's- she's so protective about it. And I'm just like, <laughs> That is the most realistic high school girl I have ever seen in a movie. Uh, Tammy's is such a great character because she like has her own fashion sense and she makes her own clothes and she has big dreams and she has this old van that she drives around. I want a whole Tammy movie. Honestly, she was, I think, the most interesting character in the whole thing. And I like it because it felt like, yes, you know, Mary was her best friend Mm -hmm. and she loves her to bits, but Tammy has her own thing going on. Yeah. Like, you feel like if you just kind of, like, swivel the camera, like, sideways a little bit, you're just going to see Tammy doing, like, random stuff uh-huh. in her own life. Totally. Another yeah, Cinderella yeah. story, one and a half, Tammy. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Tammy is both our fairy godmother and one half Gustav, the other Gustav being Joey Parker's best friend. Yes. Yeah. They're the Jacques and Gus Gus. Mm-hmm. The Gustav. Cinderella needs friends. Cinderella needs friends. I always love it when Cinderella has friends. Yes. Although the one stereotype that we have seen in a lot doesn't appear in this one. The friendly stepsister. No. The one that's like a little bit slow. Mm -hmm. Like the tall one. Uh There were definitely moments when she would say nice things. Mm -hmm. She'd be like, oh, I thought she was beautiful. Bam. And she'd get shut down by Natalia and the other one. I do kind of like that nicer stepsister because then you can look at it as like the different roles that people take in abusive situations. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I guess that they didn't need it as strongly in this one. She also just gets stopped immediately by Natalia and uh, her sister. 
and her sister. Oh my God. <sighs> That's the braces one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she's very intense. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I wouldn't expect a Cinderella story, which in this case is a romantic comedy, to go this direction. But I was like, she seems like she's going to go out of her gourd and kill somebody. <laughs> like this could turn into a horror slasher movie. And Real it fast. Makes sense for the character. Oh, 100%. And in fact, the two stepsisters were in a horror movie together some years prior to making this movie. Oh, that's so nice. Good for them. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like in this and the the first one, the, the way that they write the stepsisters is very uncomfortable. Just from a like, I know you need them to be kind of unhinged and, and idiotic, but this is this is a bridge too far. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're I mean, we're used to seeing one who is not the brightest bulb and the other one who's the smarter one and mm-hmm. would do anything, but we've never seen it like this. Yeah, it's extreme. It's intense. Yeah. Like when she was trying to like convince Joey that she was the girl with mm-hmm. the zoom, I was concerned for his safety a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I- in all honesty, I was concerned for her safety. Like this goes beyond like high school awkwardness and intensity into like, I think that maybe they have trouble reading certain social situations mm-hmm. and like the exaggeratedly poor way that they treat Mary or whoever the Cinderella character is like, it's because they see their mom do it and she doesn't like stop them. And so they think that this is the appropriate way to behave to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they need to see someone. Mm-hmm. It's hard to feel negatively towards them when you're concerned about their like long-term well-being. It's yeah. hard to hate these two as much totally. as like other stepsister pairs. I didn't hate, I just thought the one where, especially in the scene where she's trying to convince, I was just like, it was like the laughter, but it was the laughter of like, oh my God, what is this? What is happening in front of me? Yeah. yeah. When she's like trying yeah. to dance, she's also like, convulsing slightly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and grinning manically yeah and like i know having braces is rough but it's it's not that rough i think they had to put the braces on her because she was a 30 year old woman and they needed her to look younger yeah but she just ended up kind of looking like one of those like moms who finally has health insurance and like is getting their teeth fixed Mm -hmm. which is fair you know you do what you gotta do Right. I think this one, this movie definitely looked at the first movie and said, okay, what can we take from this and maybe improve it? Or what can we just take from it in general? Because there are definitely some similarities. Mm -hmm. You have have the moment where the stepmother ruins uh, the Cinderella's chance for getting out of there. You know, in the first one, Sam's going to college. In the second one, Mary going to dance school. Mm -hmm. Dance College in Manhattan. Yeah, Dance College in Manhattan. You have a piece of technology being the shoe with the... With the Zune. With the Zune in this one and the phone in the first one. Mm-hmm. The ball with masks. The ball with mm-hmm. masks. A dress that doesn't fit in with the theme at all. Mm-hmm. The first yeah. being a red dress and the second one being that red dress. So definitely some similarities between the two movies. I, I can tell that this is a continuation in a series. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, and there are more movies and we're not going to watch the rest of the series. Um, but I wonder how many of them follow those same additional tropes. Like they took all the Cinderella tropes and then added some Cinderella story tropes mm-hmm. to the Cinderella story series. 
I would hope they did because I mean, I would not say that this is a good movie, but I definitely enjoyed this more than the first one. Mm. So I think that the things that they took from it and tweaked and kind of made their own did work to a certain extent for all of its flaws. Like it is a fun watch. What do you think if you had to key into it makes you like this one more than the first one? Um, It's probably the fact that I watched it when I was like 14, 15 um, at a sleepover at like past midnight after watching Sweeney Todd. <laughs> I think that has a lot to do with it, but I also think that Selena Gomez does look so young and you do want her to be okay. Like she, she looks so out of her depth mm-hmm. just compared to these other people around her. She seems so powerless. And so seeing her like overcome that and like get catch a break, you feel very vindicated for her. You're like, yeah. And I also thought that the dancing thing, it made sense for the fact that this is a Disney movie. That everyone dances all the time? That everyone dances all the time. Like, at least they made it a thing. At least they, like, actually said, like, hey, all these people are, like, in this dance class doing this dance competition. Mm-hmm. They weren't just randomly breaking out into into song. Right. Except for a couple times. Like, you know. I don't think there's any non-diegetic music, is there? At the very beginning. Oh, in her dream. In her dream, which... Oh. What, what is the verdict on, on dreams as non-diegetic versus diegetic? I think that's still diegetic because even in her dream, she's performing for other people. Okay, fair. And, and also that moment feels so tacked on that I forgot about it because like we said before, she never really references this like desire to be a big pop star and dance for other people. Even when she like starts dating a pop star, it doesn't come up somehow that she also wants to do what he does. Mm-hmm. We just see that she has that desire at the very beginning of the movie when we meet her. I think it's just tacked on because that was her first single. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think between these two movies, I, I don't have a preference between them. I think even though they're in the same series, I think they're just both different. And I think the big difference between them is just the budget. One was theatrically released and one was just made for DVD. Yeah. But I like them both. I mean, I, I like Cinderella having some of that like lightness of comedy to it these both exist in a slightly heightened high school reality which i think is fun if you have to put cinderella in a modern context i think i like this better than uh, a more grim alternative certainly oh yeah still waiting for my full trans cinderella that mm-hmm. takes place in high school mm. we gotta, it'll happen we gotta make it happen Ooh. oh that would work so well <gasps> ian you have to write it I'll get started. Yes. Everybody tells me that it's so hard to make it. It's so hard to break it. And there's no way to fake it. Everybody tells me that it's wrong what I'm feeling. I shouldn't believe in the dreams that I'm dreaming. I hear it every day. I hear it all the time. I'm never gonna mount to much, but they're never gonna change my mind. No. As we said before, there are a plethora 
of a Cinderella story movies. Yes, this is a genuine series of movies that are only connected by title and producing team. Spanning pretty much now almost two decades. Yes. The last one was like released last year, which is concerning. Yeah. So this is the same series we've been dealing with. The first one, A Cinderella Story, starring Hilary Duff. Second one, another Cinderella Story, starring Selena Gomez. And then there are four more movies. We did not watch them all. (laughs) We have watched trailers for all of them. And we're going to rapid fire them right now. This is more Cinderella than we've ever had in one episode of the podcast. So the third one in the series, A Cinderella Story, Once Upon a Song, was released in 2011. Right, so three years after the Selena Gomez one. It stars Pretty Little Liars, Lucy Hale. So the first one that does not have a Disney Channel star. Missy Pyle plays the stepmother in this one. And it's set in the world of pop music. So Lucy Hale's Cinderella character wants to be a pop star. And the family has a like producer over. And she like slips in her demo track. And then the stepmother is like, that's not Cinderella's. That's one of the stepsisters. She did that. And then the plot of Singing in the Rain happens, basically. Which like, I do love. Yeah, I I love Singing in the Rain. I mean, I don't know how well it works for this, but I think that it's fun because literally that last scene of Singing in the Rain, we see in the trailer, which gives away the entire plot. Yeah, it's the same exact, like she's singing behind a curtain for her stepsister and then the prince like reveals her. This also carries on the new tradition of this series that she has to have uh, a best friend who is a member of a minority. So that happens. I like Missy Pyle in anything. So that, that's probably as fun. Missy Pyle doing a very outrageous Southern accent. Yes. We talk about the, the ball and the shoes. The ball is just a regular ball and... The shoes are the demo and her voice kind of kind of her voice. It's like if Cinderella meets Little Mermaid meets Singing in the Rain. <laughs> the trailer that exists on YouTube, which I have to assume is a fan trailer because it's edited so poorly, shows this final moment where it's revealed that our Cinderella, Lucy Hale, is the one singing after all. And the crowd goes wild. And it reminded me of the Selena Gomez one when they're doing the dance off and the crowd of people who is there, like because they're Joey Parker fans or dancing fans is like immediately on her side. They're like cheering for her when they're doing the dance off. <laughs> and it just shows a real misunderstanding of like crowd right. dynamics. <laughs> like, like I think that if I was at a concert and it was revealed that some other lady was singing the whole time, it'd be like, Oh yeah, I guess good for her. But I wouldn't be like, yes, this is what I was hoping for. Like I wouldn't go crazy about it. I want my money back. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank goodness this one like turned out to be conventionally attractive. Can you imagine <laughs> if she had like pimples? Like Can my God, imagine? they would have rioted. They would have. They really would have. Right of spring. What? So moving right along, the next one in the series, the what fourth one now? Yeah, 2016. It's called A Cinderella Story. If the shoe fits. Roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> It's not the only Cinderella story called If the Shoe Fits. It's the only one we're covering. Yeah, this one's set around the world of musical theater. Which already, I'm sold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is one of, I think, two of these sequels that I would actually choose to watch. Like, if I was watching Once Upon a Song, I'd probably just leave. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is interesting, because that's, from the comments on the trailer, that's a pretty popular one. I I think it's popular because people like Lucy Hale. Mm. 
Yeah. And I never watched Pretty Little Liars, so I have no emotional connection to her. And I guess I have to assume that people who are watching the trailer are already interested or a fan. I This was also the first one in the series that is like a movie musical. Like there are musical numbers in the movie that are non-diegetic or less diegetic, it seems like, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense because this one stars Sophia Carson, who is from The Descendants. Oh. oh. She is the evil queen's daughter in The Descendants. Nice. Also fans of horror movies and movies of the 90s. Jennifer Tilly is the stepmother in this one. It also seems fun to have like a Cinderella story happening in the movie. She's auditioning to be in a musical adaptation of the Cinderella story. Another one. Right. So I think that's fun and funny. I like the movie Moulin Rouge, which does that as well. Having that like meta thing going on, I think is interesting. She also does the Hannah Montana thing. She has, she puts on a, um, a character to audition and she's got a blonde wig and nobody recognizes her, which I think is really funny. And the wig stays on, at least in the trailer, amazingly well. Mm -hmm. Like that thing must be like, glued on very very yeah. decently because <laughs> she was spinning and i was like "Ooh, there are not enough bobby pins in the world no <laughs> it's interesting how all of these have to deal with the idea that the prince can like meet cinderella and then not know that he's met her like the first two movies have cinderella wearing a mask the first time they meet and then once upon a song has the like confusion about whose demo it is the prince like thinks that it's a stepsister that has the beautiful voice that he's into. And in this one, she's fully pretending to be somebody else. I think it's interesting that that's an element of the Cinderella story that they really feel committed to preserving, that the prince knows her and doesn't know her at the same time. You say that, but not for long because of the fifth movie. Oh, right. Well, before we get to that real quick, this is also the first uh, movie in the series where the shoe is actually a shoe. She loses a dance shoe at the audition and he, he's like, whoever fits this shoe, I have to find whoever fits this shoe by midnight. So the midnight moment is after the ball, if the ball is the audition. And also, like, I mean, it's a classic problem, but especially in the modern age, like, in some olden times, like, a shoe might have been made specifically for a woman. But, like, it's a dance shoe. Like, it's just, like, a size 8 or whatever. Whoever owns a size 8 Laduca. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it's like you can shove your feet into a slightly smaller shoe size these days. And like, yeah, you're in pain, but like it works. Well, and dancers often put on smaller shoe sizes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you can put on larger ones and pretend they fit. Like, listen, like I did show choir in high school. Sometimes people forget their shoes and you got to take what there is. And so people would shove their, you know, like size eight feet into a size seven. I like the Cinderella's where they specifically point out what tiny feet Cinderella has, that she has abnormally small feet or something like that. It's always abnormally small because she has to be girlish and petite. But I like when they... Cinderella, where she just has ginormous, (laughs) just like ginormous hobbit feet, you know? I think the Fractured Fairy Tales one did that, actually. One of the, from the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. I think they did one where she had, I think it was one big foot and one small foot. Like her feet were mismatched. Yes. The next one is a Cinderella story, Christmas Wish. It's a Christmas Cinderella from 2019. This one looks uniquely bad. Yeah, it really does. This one like, has two oh Disney Channel stars. Oh boy. <laughs> Laura Morano, who's from Austin and Alley, which is definitely a later Disney Channel thing that I never watched. Um, 
And then Greg Sulkin is the prince known for Wizards of Waverly Place being Selena Gomez's boyfriend on the show. Wow, I don't even recognize him. I am. Um, well, also because he's British and he was doing an American accent. Oh, the more these go on, the less I know who the actors are. I don't know if there was a point in my life where I stopped paying attention to TV actors. I guess I don't watch TV anymore. Um, so this is set around like Christmas. The main character, Cinderella, works at some sort of Christmas Santa village thing where she plays an elf and they hire a young, attractive man to play Santa for some reason. Like, I don't know why they hired a skinny, handsome young man to play Santa, but they do. And just put him in a, in, a, in a fake mustache and beard. And she falls in love with him. And he's also the son of a billionaire, which makes him a prince, I guess. And she performs at a benefit. And he helps her realize her dream of being a singer in public, I think. Something. Yeah. It seems like it's really gotten a little further away from the Cinderella idea. Like, I think she has an unpleasant family, but it doesn't seem like there's really a like, I mean, they know who each other is. They don't seem to lose each other in the middle. I'm confused about what the conflict is in this movie. Cinderella is kind of like the perfect story to tell around Christmas because you can easily be like, go shopping for me, put up the decorations, do Mm -hmm. all of that. Like the ball can be a Christmas Eve ball and then she's found on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying somebody should write it, but like if anybody's listening and wants to write it, take this idea, run with it. Do a better Cinderella Christmas movie. It's interesting because I don't know that they've totally balanced like Cinderella tropes and Christmas movie tropes. But I wonder how well it would work if you really did balance the two things. Wait a second. Could Santa be the fairy godmother using Christmas, <gasps> using Christmas oh, magic to bring them together? Oh, no, it would work because Christmas, because if the ball happens on like Christmas Eve. Uh-huh. Oh, Santa and the magic wears out. Presents, and then it goes out after mid. Oh, no. And the pumpkin carriage could be Santa's sleigh with, oh. and the horse can be Rudolph. And- <gasps> oh, my God. Okay, th- this movie is not that. So we need to write a new <laughs> Christmas Cinderella movie. Okay, yeah. Okay, trademark, trademark, trademark. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Never mind, you guys don't get to write it anymore. It's us. Um, <laughs> and we'll make tons of money. We will. Yeah. We will. And then the most recent one, for now, because this came out last year, 2021, is called A Cinderella Story Starstruck. I would actually watch this one. Like, this is the other one where I'm like, this looks fun. Like, really dumb, but, like, a good time. Now, this one, I know I'm too old, like, because I know none of these actors. Yeah. Oh, listen, I'm far too old for it, but it does the Twelfth Night thing. Well, it's interesting that as they get later into this series, they keep having to find, like, other things to mash Cinderella up with. Like, the first couple, they're like, oh, it's it's Cinderella, but she's she likes dancing, or it's Cinderella, but she works at a diner. And then later, they're like, Cinderella... Christmas movie, Cinderella, Twelfth <laughs> Night movie, you know. So I'll be curious what other um, what other tropes they match match it up with. But this one, she lives in this small town, and a, a film crew descends on it to film a western in her town, and she poses as a male actor to get a job in the movie, and then she's like flirting with the prince in and out of male drag. It's gay, and it's kind of gay. Also, there's a like gay coded, if not explicitly gay, stepbrother. You know, now gay people can be villains too. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> That's the equality we were all waiting for is gay, <laughs> gay coded villains. It's especially worrying because the Twelfth Night plot really has the potential to either go in a queer direction or go in a 
virulent no homo direction. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'd be curious to see how they take it. At least they didn't do like a Tootsie direction where it was like a female star and yeah. it's a guy, Cinderella, who has to dress up as a woman. Yeah, thank God. If it's not trans, you can't do it. Also fun, Cinderella down on the farm, I think is fun. All of her friends are animals. Like there's that one pig yeah. that like shows up, I guess. Like, I think Cinderella with animal companions is like, is a good time. But I don't think these talk, which is an improvement. Yeah. It's interesting that there's like multiple levels of mashup. Like it's Cinderella plus Twelfth Night plus the glamour of like film work plus country living. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot going on there. The next one's going to be about TikTok, maybe. Oh, God. (laughs) Don't don't put that out into the universe. (laughs) Or it could be, I'm surprised they haven't done like a reality TV version one. That seems like the most like Cinderella esque. Oh, there's a book. I mentioned there were other ones that use the name If the Shoe Fits. I think the book If the Shoe Fits is set around reality TV. So that's the Cinderella story, cinematic universe timeline. We'll see if they make more. I'm sure they will. I, yeah, I mean, I guess I wonder how well they do. None of them are theatrical releases. By the um, 2021 one, it released, quote, on digital, but not allied with a specific streaming service. So I don't know who's, like, seeking these out and paying money for them. They seem very cheap to make. Mm -hmm. Like, it seems like it is, you know, fairly standard. You pay the actors as little as the union allows. And then, you know, you spend as little as possible on sets and you film somewhere cheap. And, you know, you churn out, you know, an 80, 90 minute movie and call it good. (laughs) They sure keep making them. I mean, it's a cute concept and it's kind of fun that they're all kind of their own little thing. Um, So they're kind of spiritual successors of each other rather than like one big overarching plot. Well, and it's interesting that like the idea of Cinderella is strong enough that they don't have to like appeal to fans of the series by bringing back other actors, right? It's the only series I know of where there's no shared actors between any of the movies. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, they're not creating a larger Cinderella universe. There's not even, like, the obvious thing of having the same godmother or something throughout. Theoretically, these are all in the same universe, but they don't have to be, you know? Right. There's there's no clear connective tissue. They just all are movies where girls in bad situations have good things happen to them. I, I don't know that I need to see any of these movies, but... The Twelfth Night one just looks so... I think that I'm kind of doing that thing I did with Once Upon a Time where I'm like, it has so much potential to be good (laughs) and to be fun. I don't think I'm going to actively search it out, but like, you know. Yeah. If you were hanging out with some young kids and they were like, I need to watch this movie, you'd be like, well, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, well, can't we watch? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ian, I believe you have a story pitch for us. (laughs) Do I ever? Do you? I do. I do. All right. This week, I am pitching a little bit of a a science-y movie. A little apocalyptic, if you'd say. Yes, I am talking about Don't Look Up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's good to be relevant. I feel so relevant now. (laughs) So I've just seen this movie. Ellen, have you seen this movie? No, but I know the basic premise. Yes. So are we going to do spoilers for Don't Look Up? Yes. Spoilers for Don't Look Up. If you haven't seen it and you would like to watch it, skip to the end where we do our goodbye now. (laughs) But spoilers in three, two, one. 
okay so they all died they all died <laughs> this is so let's put a pin in them all dying H- hit me with why this is a cinderella okay who's cinderella so this is an interesting one where we have two cinderellas mm-hmm. we have leonardo dicaprio mm-hmm. and jennifer lawrence Okay. If you put them together based off of their storylines. A joint Cinderella. You have a complete Cinderella story. Mm -hmm. Cool. A story of somebody who's starting out on the low end of the totem pole, seen as low by a bunch of people because they're scientists and they discovered this meteor, comet, whatever, coming towards Earth. And they're being put down by the president, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep is the stepmother in this. They're being put down by her. And then because of uh, releasing everything, one of them gets this like humongous like praise, lives a Hollywood life and gets everything that they want. And of course, Jennifer Lawrence doesn't get that. But in the end, she does get her man. She does get a man. Ah, okay. Ah, okay. (laughs) And then they all die. Like in every Cinderella. Like in every Cinderella. Sure. I mean eventually in every cinderella you know the death is kind of implied yeah but i feel like a couple of our recent story pitches have been like and then they die right then and there (laughs) at the moment (laughs) of their happy ending i have some questions and i probably have some answers Uh, i okay so okay is there a ball it's the end of the world the end of the movie is the ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it can be. I think, honestly, I think the ball, the ball honestly might be the first attempt at destroying the comet. Oh, okay. So a grim ball. Very so, grim ball. For people who haven't seen the movie and who are okay with us spoiling it, they realize this comet is coming to Earth and then the like political cycles align right that it's... Uh, in the best interest of the president to deal with it. And they uh, release a bunch of missiles right at the comet to destroy it. And then it's called off at the last minute because a tech CEO is like, oh, actually the comet is made of valuable minerals and we can make a lot of money if we do this a different way. So that's, I guess the midnight moment is the tech CEO calling it off. Yep. And I guess that moment impacts Leo's life because he gets, he gets his fame Mm-hmm. And his insider yeah, right. status because he's enlisted to uh, become a spokesman for the government right. and like make TV appearances claiming that the tech CEO's plan is safe, even though it is not. Mm-hmm. So because of the ball, Leo is able to have a better life. But does that make the tech CEO his prince? No. I yes. mean, and ultimately... Leo rebuffs that lifestyle. Well, that's why I'm saying like both of them combined are a, a perfect Cinderella story because and Jennifer that makes Lawrence, the Prince Timothy Chalamet. That does make the Prince Timothy Chalamet. Yes, it's suggested that she only gets together with Timothy Chalamet because the world is ending and her decisions matter less. So I'm not sure if it's the same as like finding a perfect love match. But you can also say Leo because when he gets back with his family. Well, and his wife is... Um, yes, his wife is Jacqueline from Ever After. So oh it's God. already part of the Cinderella universe. Amazing. How has Meryl, Meryl Streep never played a stepmother? Well, she is now in my interpretation. Oh, don't look up. 
And then the happily ever after is them all dying with the earth. Uh-huh. But they're all together. They're all happy. We also have a Gustav with the one NASA scientist guy. Stepsisters can be Jonah Hill and the tech person. Yeah. It's got some of the elements. The stepsister could also be Kate Blanchett. So this would be her second Cinderella. So does Don't Look Up, does it fit? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll take an L on this, but I mean, the the thing is that in most movies, when the character dies at the end, and the reason that we reached this point where we're like, the character dies at the end, and it's not a Cinderella story because they die, is that like the death is seen as like a tragic thing, Uh and it's like terrible. But in Don't Look Up, the character's deaths come, and I think I'm using this word incorrectly, at a moment of catharsis. What's What's that word mean? No, it's you're you're correct. Well, the, so the character's deaths could have come at a moment of catharsis and they all like come together and like they know the world is about to end, but they like have a nice dinner together as it's ending. Aside from the fact that the world ends, they do come together and have a happy ending. It is a big but, though. Mm-hmm. Ellen, you haven't seen this movie. What do you think? I think the the Comet is the true Cinderella character in all this. Yes. Um, because the comet does win in the end. It's an underlier. It seems like it seems yeah. like oh, here's that's an interesting framing. It seems like those mean scientists are out to get it, but it manages <laughs> to make its way to Earth the after tech, all. The tech bro is the fairy godmother. Right. And then the Earth and getting to consensually smash it. Yes. Is the prince. Did you say consensually? Yeah. I don't think there's any consent in that. <laughs> Well, because it could have been stopped, but they chose not to. Mm, I see, I see. They accept their own fate. Yeah. Yeah. Also, this comet, at one point, gets to be kind of portrayed by Ariana Grande in a concert. That does happen. Which is sort of... Oh, my God. And that's the ball moment, because the comet gets to wear a nice dress. (laughs) (laughs) Ellen, this movie is wild. I've heard. I just don't feel like I'm in a headspace where, like... That's how I felt, too. I have mixed feelings about it. I can't... um, Like, I really can't watch the human race, like, mess up. Yeah. No, I think I feel that way about it, too. The last third of the movie is the best part, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Because that's the heartwarming stuff. And the the absurdity reaches new heights as well, I think, with the Ariana Grande concert. Like, if you can get through the first two thirds and just understand that you're probably going to be very angry. Okay. I feel fine giving you half marks. I feel like I have some lingering doubts. I feel like the story doesn't present the scientist characters' paths as Cinderella paths necessarily. Again, if you just combine their Yeah, tales. but even collectively, I think that like they're both in decent places when they start and then obviously they all end up dead despite their best efforts. So I think the comet framing works better for me. <laughs> Honestly, when you started saying it, I was like, there's no way. And there's more parts that work than I thought were going to work. So I think kudos for for pitching it. Well, I think that sound of a clock chiming midnight means it's time to wrap up this episode of If the Shoe Fits. Ellen, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Ellen still has a true crime podcast uh, with our mutual friend, Melanie. There's a link to that in the description. Oh, thanks. We're getting close to the end of the season. And let's just say we'll be seeing Kate Blanchett again very soon. Very, very soon. <laughs> but until then, bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.